This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Today we are going to take a look at a passage from the book of James. And it's James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness, this is verse 18, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now we are looking at developing the mind of Christ. As you remember last week we read that verse or that short passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I believe it was verse 16, for we have the mind of Christ. And so we were all left wondering, really, we do? Do we really have the mind of Christ? Or are we just supposed to have the mind of Christ? And what's the answer? Yes, to both, by the way. Now, remember the movie Jerry Maguire, what was the catchphrase that came from that movie? Show me the money. I guess you saw the movie, right? Okay. Now, here's the thing. If God was speaking to us in the same way that they said in the movie Jerry Maguire, show me the money, he would say, you have wisdom. Show me by your understanding. There is worldly wisdom, and it is the polar opposite of the mind of Christ. Does that make sense? You know, worldly wisdom way over here, and the mind of Christ way over here. They are polar opposites. In fact, James tells us that this worldly wisdom is demonic straight from the pits of hell and now there's the worldly wise person who will give you well in my considered opinion you should do this and if you match that against scripture you look at the scriptures and say I don't see that anywhere and the reason is it probably isn't because the worldly wise do not focus on scripture now, there are some logical things that you can have somebody tell you that make perfect sense and don't conflict with Scripture, but 
you know, you're teetering on the edge there when you're flirting with holding on to the worldly wisdom that somebody gives you. Worldly wisdom, it says, if it doesn't help me, or if it doesn't benefit me, forget it. I'm in this for me. What's in it for me. And if whatever is being told to me isn't going to do me any good, or if I'm not going to benefit from it, forget it. Worldly wisdom says promote yourself. Assert yourself. Get out there. And also, worldly wisdom says follow your heart. Do you remember reading follow your heart anywhere in Scripture? There's a reason. Why you think there's a reason you don't remember reading anything that says in Scripture, follow your heart? Because it's not in there. Good reason. Okay. Now, it says the worldly wisdom, follow your desires. Look after yourself. You got to take action and look after number one. Well, what does Jesus tell us? Deny yourself and follow me. That doesn't sound like worldly wisdom to me. Sounds a lot better, though. Now, that worldly stuff leads to disaster, division. And the reality is in that, that that's the reason Solomon wrote Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 8, talking about the wisdom from above. And you see... One of the things that James mentions here is for, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Paul David Tripp wrote about envy. Envy is self-focused and self-righteous. It inserts you into the center of your world. It makes it all about you. It tells you that you deserve what you don't deserve. Envy is expectant and demanding. Envy tells you that you are someone you aren't and that you're entitled to what is not rightfully yours. Envy cannot celebrate the blessing of another person because it tells you that you are the one who deserve that blessing, not that other person. Envy tells you that you have earned what you could never earn. Now, envy has its roots in selfishness of sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. Envy is self-focused, and because it's self-focused, it's entitled. And because it's entitled, it is demanding. And because it is demanding, it tends to judge the goodness of God by whether he has delivered what you feel entitled to. Whether you've been blessed the way you think you deserve to be blessed. And there's a couple of examples I'm going to give you of envy. Imagine, if you will, that there's two women working at some office building and they're down at the sidewalk cafe in front of the building and one of their co-workers is sitting at a table a few tables away and she has snagged a relationship with the hunk that all of those women were looking for. And these two gals are sitting there saying, will you look over there? 
And she's fawning all over him. She's got her hands all over him. It just makes me sick. Sound familiar? How this manifests with two guys is there's two guys standing in the front lawn. And one of them was trimming the hedge and another one was mowing the grass. And lo and behold, one of their neighbors comes driving past the front of the house and he's got a brand new Mercedes. And the guy said, one of them says, whoa, look at that new ride that you know, our neighbor has. And the other one says, yeah, he, he got that promotion at work. He's making all that good money. And now he's rubbing our noses in it because he's got this nice car. But he's saying, he's rubbing our noses in it because they're envious. They are demanding and they think that that promotion and those benefits should have gone to them. And can we see how damaging to our relationships these two examples would be? They turn out and they make us hate the other person. Those women will probably give that other gal no peace in the office. And those two guys will probably forget to invite their third neighbor to their backyard barbecue because they're so envious of them. You start to dislike them. Relationships crumble when envy runs rampant among us. If we're jealous of another person, we're gonna start fuming about that person. James says, on the other hand, that there is wisdom from above. And the wisdom that is from above is first pure. And for that, you have the reference, Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall, be, they shall see God. Then it's peaceable. Peaceable means you're a peacemaker. You're one who brings peace to the situation. You're the one who is involved, but you diffuse the conflicts. You're the peacemaker. And Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount again, blessed are the peacemakers. And think about this. The peacemaker, the peaceable person, is the opposite of someone who is combative, who wants to argue with anything. And I used to tell both of my sons, you would argue with a stump. Anytime. Now, combative is the opposite of peacemaking. Now, then it's gentle. Gentle in this case means meek. Now, meek does not mean doormat. Meek in this case means someone who is considerate and polite and who realizes their relative position between God and themselves. They realize who they are and they remember and keep an eye on and their mind focused on who God is and realize that they are not entitled to anything. And what they're benefiting from is the grace of the Lord. Now, the next one is willing to yield. That also means compliant. That's doing something for which you see 
no immediate benefit to you, but you're willing to do it anyway because your supervisor, because your boss, or because God said, go do this. And it might not make sense to us. Sometimes, if you remember looking in Scripture, most of the people that God called to serve Him were debating with God on the relative merits of what He was calling them to do because they saw what's in it for me. And they didn't see anything immediately in it for them. But they were willing to do it and willing to yield because God is the one who told them to do it. Now then there's the one full of mercy and good fruits. Now, this ought to be self-explanatory. You don't lash out at somebody because they made a mistake. You realize that you could have been the one making that mistake and you're not critical of that other person. You say, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that could have been me, but for the grace of God or something like that. You don't lash out at someone. And one example of this that is going to be really hard for probably some of us in this sanctuary to identify with you don't lash out at the person in traffic who cuts you off. How many times are we willing to or prompted to or tempted to start saying things that you can't repeat in church under your breath because that person cuts you off or that person cut in front of you in the checkout line that looks like it's five miles long? You don't lash out at them. You show mercy and you don't say that no good so-and-so I'll show him we hold our peace is that easy no I'll admit I'll be the first to admit that that's not easy to do and I'll also be the first to admit that I'm <clears throat> probably said some things under my breath about people who cut me off in traffic but they weren't swear words honest now don't be going, uh-huh. All right. Now, the last one of these is full of good fruit. And without hypocrisy, without partiality, we show fruit and are consistent and are not like the two guys in Matthew 21. Remember that verse I shared a couple of weeks ago where the master tells one of his sons to go out and work in the vineyard. The guy says, oh, yeah, I'll go do that. And he doesn't do it. He tells his other son, go out there and work in the vineyard. No, I don't want to. But he eventually goes and works in the vineyard anyway. You see, that's inconsistent. That's saying one thing and doing something else. But in this case, we are consistent. We don't say one thing and go off half-cocked and do something else. We fulfill our promises. We live up to our word. We do honorably what we say we are going to do. Now, think about this this morning. What would the world be like if Christians lived by these particular values that James lists in James 3.17. How different would our world be if we could live that way? 
and we had those attributes and we not just practiced them, we digested this passage enough to where those attributes become second nature and they just ooze from our pores, if you will. How different might the world be if we could live like that? So let's think about that this morning and let's make sure we go to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, make me pure. Make me a peacemaker. Make me gentle and willing to yield and turn things over to other people and not promote myself. Lord, make me full of mercy and good fruit in my life and help me to walk without partiality and strengthen me so that I don't walk and live in hypocrisy so that I can be a bearer of your fruit to the world. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at christthekingnorthshore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. <laughs>